Well, my thanks to all of you, um, each one of you who gave generously and sacrificially and joyfully. Um, thank you so much. Uh, to get us to the point we're at is a pretty remarkable deal. And uh, praise God for it, and thank you. Well, we're in uh, Philippians, and um, those of you who might have been gone last Sunday, we, last Sunday, the, the, actually was the first of January, we uh, began this uh, series in Philippians and did the first 11 verses, and today we come to verse 12, and we're going to go through verse, uh, verse 12 through verse 26, but this morning I'm going to do, do something I don't normally do. I would like to just read through this entire passage. We're going to, I'm going to talk from, I just think it's, uh, sometimes it's good to get the whole, the whole thing, the whole view, and then start digging into it. So, Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, and Paul writes this. He said, now I want you to know, brothers, that ha what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become th clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up, stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, which will, uh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, yet, yet what shall I choose? I, I do not know, for I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. And when, when he says better by far, it's like better. I mean, like way better is, is what he's saying there, okay? I mean, you can't say that strong enough. But, Verse 24, it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I, I know that I will remain and will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith that, so that my being with you again, your joy in Christ will overflow on account of me. Becky and I, we've never been on a cruise, but having conversation, talking with some friends and family, uh, who have done this, uh, it sounds like it would be a pretty good deal. Be fun. You know? Anybody here ever been on a cruise? A few people have. Yeah, good time, kind of, yeah, fun, you know. And now, I got to tell you, the closest that I've ever been to a cruise ship is in Seattle at, uh, at a port where cruise ships dock and, and man, I, you, know, you stand up close to one of those things and, and they're really, I mean, they're pretty, pretty impressive. You know? I mean, look at, different destinations that you can be with one. And, and then actually, you know, to, to be in a cruise ship itself, uh, I don't know if anybody recognizes any of those spots. And Anyway, the cruise ship, I mean, you, you know, some have go golf courses on them, and then 
of course, swimming pools and, and, and everything else like that. Now, imagine, you know, there in Seattle at that same port, battleships would dock so that, you know, you can be standing there and you can be looking at a cruise ship and, and, and you could be looking at, at a battleship, okay? Well, let's, let's just say that we're all going to take a cruise together. Okay, you all with me on this? Man, we're just, we decide, you know, it'd be kind of fun for us as a church to just bring everybody together and just do one big ship and, 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 do, a, and do it for a month, all right? And so here we are, all of us together in Seattle. We're, we're standing, yeah, you know, month. I mean, it takes time to get there and you just, you know. So here we are, we're all standing in line. We're waiting to get on that cruise ship, and we've all got a certain set of expectations of what we're going to experience. I mean, bottom line is we're going to have fun. You know, and beauty all around us, all the food we want to eat, great entertainment. I mean, it's just, it's, we've got this grid of expectations of what the next 30 days are, are going to be for us. Okay? Now, it just happens that the day we're all boarding that, that cruise ship, Right docked, right next to that cruise ship in the same, same port is this battleship. And there's, and, and there's a bunch of people waiting in line to get on that battleship. And, and, but they've got a whole different set of expectations of what, what they're going to be doing. Because they're going to, they're, they might be going to kind of the same part of the world, but they're going to a very different place for a de- very different purpose. In fact, we might say they're, 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 uh, they're going to, uh, what's that, uh, the Persian Gulf to the Straits of Hormuz. Anybody hear about that in the news this last week? You know, to, so, two different ships, two entirely different purposes, and the people getting on one ship have uh, as different a set of expectations that anybody could possibly have from the people getting on the other ship. But let's, let's just say, here we are, we're, we're, we're all standing, getting ready to board, and for some reason, a few of you get confused which ship is which. Let's just say the first two rows, going all the way across. You, you, all get, you, you thought you were getting on the cruise ship, but you got on, you got on the battleship, and, and for some reason, you never figured it out for the next 30 days that you were, you were on the wrong ship the whole time. Now, what, what do you think that would do to your expectations that you had? You know, well, wouldn't you kind of think to yourself, well, this is a pretty lousy cruise. <laughs> no. Now, let, let's think about this, how it relates to our Christian lives. See, it's possible for us to think that our Christian life is like being on a cruise ship. And God's the cruise ship captain, and his job is to make sure that we're, we're just really having a good time throughout our whole life. We're thinking that when in fact the Christian life is really like being on a battleship where, where God's the captain and, and we're the crew following his orders. You see, we're not on a vacation, we're on a rescue mission. A rescue mission to bring God's love and and God's truth and God's righteousness to a, to a sin-darkened world, a, a rescue mission to save spiritually lost people. See, here's the deal with this, everybody. If we've got our ships confused, if we think that as Christians we're on a cruise ship, when in fact we're on a battleship, we're, 
we're going to lose our joy pretty fast. We're, we're going to be very disappointed because a lot of what we experience isn't what we expected to experience. Passage I've just written, or just read, <clears throat> was written by the Apostle Paul from a Roman prison. He's, he's in chains, he's facing possible execution, and, 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 and I think we all heard this. He's, he's, as, he's as joyful, he's as triumphant as anybody could possibly be. And here's why. Paul understands that he's on a battleship. And he has a, a definition of life that enables him to face anything. He, he knows what to live for. He knows what's most important. And he has found that it is the one thing that gives him sustaining joy regardless of what happens to him. And what he taught the Philippians back then and what he teaches you and I today through this passage is that it's not the circumstances of our life. It's not whether things go well or they go badly, but it's the way we define our life that determines whether we stand or fall. It's, it's what we're living for that determines our level of joy in the best of times and the worst of times. Now there's a football game later on today between the Broncos and the Steelers, I don't know if anybody know who the quarterback, starting quarterback for the Broncos. Anybody know that guy's name? Huh? Yeah, isn't that something? We all know that. Or many of us. Now, you know the big debate out there? In fact, I just heard it this week. I was listening to a couple of sports guys talking, and one of them was saying what we've been hearing. He's not good for the long haul. He's, he's never, he's never going to be able to be a starting quarterback for the NFL over the long term. And, and when Tim Tebow heard these kind of comments, here's a statement that he made that some of you might have heard. He said, I, I know that no matter what happens on the football field, that's not what defines my life. See, that's exactly what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, I know, I know that no matter what happens in this prison, it doesn't define my life. So let's dig into these verses and, and see how this was true for Paul. And, and first of all then, how Paul defined his life. What was most important to him? The Philippians were very aware of what had happened to Paul. They knew he he was facing trial. They knew that he might be put to death. And, and, and so things they knew were, were looking terribly bad for Paul. And they were very concerned. And so the first thing that Paul does is, is give them his perspective on what's happened in his life. And, and in doing this, he shows them what it is that defines his life. What's more important to him than anything else. And what gives him this this amazing, sustaining joy in the worst of circumstances. So, verse 12, he begins by saying this. He said, he writes, I, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Paul's saying, hey, everybody, prison for me right, right now really is a good thing. 
but because it's given me the opportunity to do what I am convinced is absolutely more important than anything else. It's giving me the opportunity to advance the gospel. And he goes on to explain why this is true. And we're going we're to see this in a minute. But first, let's be sure we understand all of what he means by the gospel. And this is probably one of the most important things for us to get today. If we, we just can't miss this. You see, the gospel for Paul is not simply how a person can receive God's forgiveness and the promise of eternal life, as wonderful and as important as that is. Paul knows that the gospel is everything that is true about Jesus Christ and what this means for, for every single one of us. All the way back, this is what is taught in Scripture, beginning with the book of Genesis and all the way through the book of Revelation, the truth about Jesus Christ. You see, what matters to Paul more than anything else is for Jesus Christ to be known and Jesus Christ to be honored for who he is, that he's the eternal son of God. He's the creator of this universe. He's the one who gives and sustains life. He's the one who someday will return to this earth as king of kings and lord of lords as almighty God. Oh, it's true, the gospel. It's about Christ's death for our sin. It's about his resurrection making it possible for us to have eternal life. It's certainly all of this, and Paul made this known to others. But don't miss this, everybody. It's also everything that is true about Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ deserves from, from us because of who he is. For others to know Jesus Christ and submit to him as Savior and Lord, that's what defined life for Paul. And whatever it took for him to make this happen was worth it. It's what gave him this amazing, sustaining joy in his life. Y'all got that? All right, y'all with me? All right, let's see why, why Paul saw prison as a good thing for his life. How he trusted God to turn bad into good. And I think you're going to love this. Looking from the outside in, any one of us might think, like the Philippians thought, like, man, this is a really bad deal for Paul. This is a really bad deal for, for God. I mean, Paul's been going all over the Roman Empire from one city to another, leading people to faith in Christ and planting churches. I mean, look at what Paul's been doing. And then it all came to a screeching halt when he's arrested in Jerusalem and he's shipped off to Rome to stand trial before Nero. <laughs> to any one of the people in, in Philippi, they would, they, it would have been so easy for them to think, what a tragic waste of time. What, and, and if Paul dies, what a tragic waste of a life. And Paul's come back to them in verse 12. Is, he's saying, not to worry. Not to worry this time in prison. It's not being wasted. God's using it for the good of the gospel and for my own good. He said, it's a good deal. Not a bad deal. Matthew Henry in the late uh, 1600s wrote a commentary on, on the entire Bible. I love finding this. Here's what he wrote about these verses we're looking at this morning. This, this is a quote. He said, Paul is claiming that God is the only alchemist. 
Anybody knows? Anybody know what a, an alchemist does? Practices alchemy. No, I, it's true. Now, but what is that? What's alchemy? Here's I looked it up in Webster's dictionary. A, a me medieval chemical and speculative philosophy aiming to achieve the transmutation of the base metals into gold. A little easier statement. A process of transforming something common, some kind of metal, into something precious like, like gold. You see, back in the Middle Ages, alchemists were people who thought they might be able to find a process by which they could take a useless metal, a metal like lead that they thought was useless and worthless, and, and through some kind of a process, change it into something that was useful and, and valuable. And guess which one they wanted? <clears throat> gold. So they, <clears throat> excuse me, they tried this whole thing of, of if there was there some way that they could change lead into gold. They, they never succeeded. Okay, they never did it. But Matthew Henry points out from this passage is that God does this all the time with the circumstances of our lives. That's what Paul's saying that God's done for him. Look at verse 13. He, he writes, as a result of my imprisonment, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Paul's been going all over the Roman Empire, leading people to faith in Christ. And that whole time, he never had on his radar this, this palace guard, these soldiers. Who, you know, a group of men who are some of the most elite soldiers in the Roman Empire. They're, you know, kind of, kind of the Navy SEAL types. Okay? But here he is. Chained to two of them on six-hour shifts. Eight men every 24 hours. Rome's most elite soldiers. I mean, I just absolutely love this. You know, some of Rome's most respected men are, are chained to one of the most persuasive evangelists who, who's ever lived. You know, who do you think was really captive here? I don't think it was Paul. Can't you see this? Six hours at a stretch, Paul loves these guys with the love of Christ and he, he pours into them the truth of Christ. You see, see I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that some of those men became believers in, in Christ and, and they, they told others. I mean, look, look, at, look at, again, what Paul wrote in verse 13. He said, as a result, it's become, <clears throat> it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard. And then he said this, and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. You see, here's what I think is happening. Paul talks to them, and they talk to others. The way Paul sees it, God's turned what could have been a useless, worthless situation into pure gold. And that's not all God's done through Paul's chains. Look, look at if verse 14, he goes on, he said, because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. We don't, we don't know how the church got started in Rome, but there were believers in that city. And now there's Paul, and they're watching how Paul's responding to his circumstances. They're seeing him talk to other people about Christ. And what it does for them, it strengthens them. It encourages them to be more bold and more open about their own faith in Christ. 
Imagine how different Paul's impact on these people would have been if he would have been complaining all the time. If every time they came to see him, he was whining because he was in prison or he was saying, you know, I don't know why this has to happen to me. All, you know, all this stuff always happens to me. What a total waste of time. Think of what I could be doing. I mean, just think if he did that, it just would not have impacted anybody. Anybody here complaining about where life's got you these days? Instead of looking to see how God can use you just where you are, especially how God can use you to reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, everybody, here's what not to miss. Very often, it's our response in the hardest situations, if we respond like Paul did, that God works through us in, in, in you know, the most powerful way to reach others and encourage and strengthen fellow believers. So I just want to say to you this morning, if you're in a hard situation, believe this about God and believe this about your life. God's a divine alchemist and God can turn into pure gold what you might be thinking right now is a useless, worthless situation. And if chains in prison wasn't enough for Paul, he had a few people in his life who were what we, I, 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 I talked about last Sunday, joy stealers. You know, the kind of people who get their joy out of life by sucking the joy out of other people's lives. Anybody ever meet anybody like that? No? See, I think... I think the way Paul responds to these people is another example of how Paul defined his life impacted him. See, Paul knew it wasn't all about him. He knew it was all about Jesus Christ. And so this is what he says in verse 15. I love this. Verse 15 through 18. He said, he said it's true. It's true that some preach, preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but he said there's others who do it out of goodwill, and the latter do so in love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. And then, and then he talks about that other group. He said, the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they could stir up trouble for me while I'm still in chains. What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, because of this, I rejoice. As hard as it is to believe there were fellow believers who had it out for Paul. You know, for whatever reason, they didn't like the guy. Actually, we know why. They were jealous. They were envious. They, they were competing with Paul. You know, why is he getting all the attention? I mean, it's crazy stuff here, you know? They believed what Paul believed. They believed in Jesus Christ, just like Paul believed in Jesus Christ. But you know what? They had a whole different definition for their life. Instead of their life being all about Christ, their life was all about them. And so when the famous apostle Paul comes to town and begins to get a lot of attention, they got themselves all wrapped around an axle. <laughs> Or as someone might say, they got their undies in a bundle, you know? And they were all out of sorts. And how does Paul handle this? I mean, true to how he defines life, he says, I just love this. He says, hey, what does it matter? 
It's not a big deal. As long as Jesus Christ is preached, I'm cool, I'm fine. You know what? I think that's absolutely the stuff out of which greatness is made. What a, what a wonderful, what an awesome perspective on life to have. And so let me just ask you, do you have any joy stealers in your life right now? People who for whatever reason are targeting you? Huh? I think Paul's got the right perspective. See, all of what we're seeing in Paul has to do with the fact that he understands that he's on a battleship. And he understands that his mission in life is to advance the gospel. I mean, what a difference it would have made in Paul if he would have thought that his Christian life was like being on a cruise ship. I mean, he would have had a whole different set of expectations and he would have been one very unhappy guy. Boy, everybody, hear me on this. What you and I need to be convinced of is that it's exactly the same for us. Our Christian life, it's, we're not on a cruise ship, we're on a battleship. See, it makes all the difference when we understand this. When we understand that everything, that everything that comes our way can be seen, you know, as something that can be used by God to advance the gospel, where instead of being constantly disappointed and, and wondering to ourselves, why this, why that, we'll see the most difficult of circumstances as opportunities that God can use to reach people that you and I would never have reached. If it wouldn't have been for those circumstances. But Paul doesn't even stop here. There's something else that God's doing in his life that's giving him this huge amount of joy. And it's what God's doing in Paul himself to refine him, to, to make him a man of gold, his character gold, to make him like Christ. Look, look at this, verse 18. He writes, Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help given me by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. You know what, everybody? This is one of those times when I, when I, would, I would argue with uh, the translators of the NIV and say, I think you got it wrong this time. Because the deliverance Paul is talking about there, the translation just doesn't bring out what he's saying. He's not, he's not confident. He's not saying that because of their prayer and the help given to him by the Spirit of Jesus Christ that he's going to get out of prison. That's not what he's talking about. This is, I think, a better translation. He said, Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will result in my salvation. That's the literal Greek there. It's, it's not talking about prison, it's talking about salvation. It's all of what we mean when we talk about salvation through Jesus Christ. It's God's deliverance from the penalty of sin and the power of sin and the presence of sin. And what Paul is talking about there is the power of sin. And he's saying that, that God, is gonna, God is using this prison, the circumstances he's in. It's a way by which to save him from the power of sin. 
And he's saying through the prayer of the Philippians and, and the Spirit of God working in him, he's confident that God is going to use the suffering he's experiencing to make him more like Jesus Christ, which is why he could say what he said in verse 20. He writes, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will always have sufficient courage so that now, as always, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. See, what Paul's saying, to put it in just a few words, he's saying, God's, gonna, God's turning me into gold through this. Now, here's what we got to understand, everybody. It doesn't mean that when bad things happen to a Christian that it automatically purifies us. You see, when Paul made this statement in verse 20, he went on to say what he said in verse 21, which is probably one of the most well-known statements in the Bible. He said, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. See, here again, Paul's telling the Philippians how he defines life. It's all about Jesus Christ. He said, for me to live is Christ. You know, if I was a tattooing kind of guy, that'd probably be one to put on, you know? But you know what it does, though, right? It puts you right out there. Your lifetime fitness and across my back says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I mean, right? Paul's saying, if I live, great. Then I'll keep on doing what I've been doing. And he tells us what it is in verse 22. He said, if I'm going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. What's Paul been laboring at? Advancing the gospel. Telling people about Jesus Christ. Making Jesus Christ known to others so that they know everything that's true about him. So that they'll trust in him as their savior and surrender to him as their Lord and become more and more like him. That's what, he, that's what he's living for. That's what defined his life. You see, if there was anything that made him think that he'd get out of prison, it was this, that he could keep on doing this. And, and so look at what he writes, verse 22 through verse 26. He said, Here, here's his struggle. Here's his struggle. He said, if I'm to go on living in the body, I mean, fruitful labor for me. Oh, that's great. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, what should I choose? I don't know. I just don't know, man. I'm just struggling over this thing. He said for, he said, I'm, you know, he said, I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ. Boy, do I want to do that. He said, and then notice how he says that again. He said, which is, which is better, really better. <laughs> but he said, it's more necessary. Look at that. Uh, uh, oh, I'm just struggling. He said, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. And convinced of this, I know that I will remain, for I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. I, I just, what an awesome struggle Paul's going through. You know, he says, man, you know, if he lives, it's all about Christ. And if he dies, he's going to go spend eternity with Christ, you know. Paul's saying, given the choice, boy, I'd, I'd, I'd go be with Jesus. But I know it's more important that I'm with you. 
What a life-changing perspective. Don't you agree? So here, how about this, everybody? Think about whatever obstacle or hardship or challenge you're facing and view it, view it not through the lens of, well, why is this happening and where is God in all of this and life's unfair. Instead, view it, view it through the grid of how can God use this to advance the gospel? How might God use this to reach people I never otherwise could have reached? How can God use this so that I can strengthen and encourage other believers to be stronger in their faith? And how can God use this to make me more like Jesus Christ? So two questions for us this morning. The first question is this. You see yourself on a cruise ship or on a battleship? A cruise ship or a battleship? And the second question is this, is how do you define life? What are you living for? What's more important to you than anything else? What's the one thing that makes your life worth living? And gives you joy that just never stops, regardless of what happens in your life. How do you define life? Your own life. See, I'd say these are two of the most important questions that we could ask ourselves and answer as we begin this year. Is it a battleship or is it a cruise ship? How do you see your Christian life? And what's your definition? See, see what I'm hoping, everybody, what I'm hoping and, and what I've been praying all week is that as we stand and we sing and we worship this morning, that as you're singing, you will say, sign me up, God. Sign me up. I'm ready to walk into that battleship. God, I'm willing to live my life according to what matters more to you than anything else. And let that determine my joy. Let's stand together and pray, right?